Our scripture passage this morning is the much-loved story of Mary and Martha from the 10th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. You may have heard it before, but I invite you to hear the words fresh this morning. While Jesus and his disciples were traveling, Jesus entered a village where a woman named Martha was residing, and she welcomed him as a guest. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his message. By contrast, Martha was preoccupied with getting everything ready for their meal. So Martha came to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to prepare the table all by myself? Tell her to help me. And the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. Only one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the better part. It will not be taken away from her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, last week we began a series entitled Running on Fumes. And uh, we discussed last week that it's difficult to recognize when you're going in the wrong direction in this. And we have wrong directions in all kinds of ways. We have wrong directions in our hearts and minds. We have wrong directions in our physical body. As I put on my clothes this morning, I actually said, I'm going in the wrong direction. Um, we have you know, wrong directions with our soul. I mean, it happens to every one of us. This is part of the human condition, right? And when Adam and Eve turned away from God in the Garden of Eden, then that was the wrong direction. It's part of our human condition. And last week, I asked our congregation if you'd ever been on the side of the road, stranded, and your car had run out of gas. And a few of you raised your hands and admitted that. And some of you have had that but did not raise your hands because you didn't want to admit that. And I understand that because running out of gas is a helpless feeling, isn't it? It's, it's humbling because we have to admit at that point that we neglected to fill the tank. And that's what this whole ser sermon series of running on fumes is about. It's about neglecting to fill our tanks. So will you pray with me? Good and gracious God, I ask that you touch my mind, my lips, my mouth, my tongue, my proclamation that it be yours. I ask that you touch my heart, that it might be filled with your spirit. May the meditations of my heart and words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope you got here early enough in the worship service this week that you got to see that funny clip, the I Love Lucy clip. It was um, hysterical. And, and in the uh, 9.30 service, I heard Tim and Sean say, uh, no, Sean's going, no, it's not me. It wasn't me, it wasn't me. But they said, Pastor Terry's like that boss. Let her roll! <laughs> but, <yeah>, amen. <laughs> I heard an amen back there. <laughs> I have to admit, yeah, I was kind of, you know, always pushing, always pushing. That's my, my personality. But, you know, have you ever felt like, like that was your life? Let it roll and things are just getting faster and faster and faster in your life and you look up and you think, man, I need to slow down. 
I need to step back and take a breath. And you felt like life has just been speeding up. Someone's hit that speed up button. And you just can't seem to get it all in. Your calendar's full. Your life's full. And, and you think, I just need to stop. Well, society's been pretty focused on our outward. We hear all the time how we can do better. We watch commercials and you can see how um, there's things that we can wear that make us look more professional or things that we can do to ourselves to um, give us a better look. Uh, we also hear how, uh, what we can do with our physical body, what we can eat to make ourselves healthier. They tell you all the things you can do. But maybe, maybe being healthier and better is not about more doing. Maybe it's about more being. Now, society's finally taken notice of our mental health crisis. We're hearing more and more about that. In fact, data shows from the National Institute of Mental Health that 38% of girls ages 13 through 17 and 26% of boys in the same age bracket have anxiety disorder. It is the fastest growing mental health concern in our nation right now, surpassing depression. Is anxiety on the rise because life is going faster? I would say yes, but I would also say it's a number of other things as well. The fact remains that you cannot refuel your soul going 90 miles an hour. You have to stop. You have to recognize it, as we said last week, and you have to do something about that. In order to refuel, you have to stop doing and you have to start being. Our scripture today, the Mary and Martha story, I love that. And, and if uh, we were reading the scripture, you can almost see the smiles in the congregation, how they relate to either Mary or Martha in this story. Have you ever wondered where Jesus went after a long day of ministry, of walking around and talking with people and being with people and introducing God's love to so many people? What happened in his evening time? Well, there were a lot of homes that he visited around the Sea of Galilee where he did most of his ministry and he did travel to Jerusalem many times. And along that route, I'm sure there were homes that welcomed him with a meal and a time of rest. However, there was probably no home in all of Israel more valuable to him than the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. It was in Bethany, about two miles east of Jerusalem. And, and so Jesus, is, in this particular reading, is on his way into the city for the last time, and this is his last stop in Bethany on his way into Jerusalem. And when Martha hears that Jesus and the disciples are on their way into Bethany, he, she is so excited. She wants to cook them a great big meal. And she wants to open her home in hospitality and welcome them and show them how much she loves them. Now, you've heard it said, a way to a man's heart's through his stomach. Martha was thinking that way. She was thinking, now I'm thankful 
that that was not the case for my husband, Joe. Because his love for me endured a lot of tuna casserole. I'm just saying. And after, after 37 years of marriage together, I've finally gotten pretty good at cooking when I choose to cook. And I know there's a lot of work that's involved in preparing a meal. Can I get an amen from the women out here? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of work that is a part of preparing a big meal like that. And I can only imagine what it would have been like in the time of Jesus, how much more work it would have been. There was no running water, no grocery store to run to if you forgot a certain thing that you needed to do for a part of the meal. You had to cook over an open fire. You had to gather and clean the game. You had to do all of that. And so in my eyes, it would have been a miracle for Martha to pull this off. But she's determined that she's going to do this for Jesus and for the disciples. And as she's cooking as fast as she can, she looks around. And if you, if you kind of get the implication from the story, things might not be going so well. She's trying to get it all done. And she looks around for her sister Mary. And Mary's over there sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's doing all the work. And Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus, not where the women were supposed to be. You see, the women weren't supposed to sit at the teacher's feet and learn. They were supposed to be off working and preparing and cleaning and caring for the children and those kinds of things. And the men were the ones who were sitting at the feet of the teacher, learning from the rabbi. This was that culture of that time. And she looks around and she sees her sister sitting where she's not supposed to be, at the feet of Jesus, listening, and she is a little perturbed, you could say. You can almost see her face, can't you? <laughs> My sister is over there, and I'm supposed to be getting this meal together. And you can almost feel her feelings in that moment. So she goes to the Lord and she says, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Now, I can imagine she thought she was going to get her sister in trouble. She thought she was going to fix this problem. Um, now, I know all about tattling. I have two daughters. And so I know all about how that happens. In fact, one of, both of my daughters had a huge argument one time. And both of them had made a promise to each other that they weren't going to tell mom about the argument. And did you know that both of them, when they had me alone, told me about the argument? <laughs> so I know all about tattling. Jesus recognizes this. He recognizes actually a couple of things that are going on with Martha at this point. First, he recognizes the spirit of resentment in which Martha is coming to him with. She has this spirit of resentment in her heart that I'm having to do everything and Mary's not. And, you know, this resentment because what she, I imagine she really wanted to be where Mary was. And secondly, he recognizes that her focus is about her meal about the preparations and the details instead of the big picture. He says, my dear Martha, 
or Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Hmm. Now, I can tell you, I can relate with Martha. She is a woman after my own heart. She has to be a two on the Enneagram. And if you know anything about the Enneagram, it is a personality assessment that shows how we're wired, how we're put together. Nine different personality types. We all have a little bit of each one of them in us, but we're wired in a certain way. The loyal person, Deb. The joyful person, the wise person, the creative person, Stephen. All different kinds of personalities. And the two on the Enneagram is the helper. I'm a two on the Enneagram, the helper. My husband, Joe, is a helper, too. He's a number two as well. Let me tell you, it's not always good to have two twos in the, in the household together. It's just not always good. Because someone once said in describing a two personality, I want you to be happy, but I want to be the reason. You see, each personality type has great points and things that are not so great. And in general, a two like Martha would have had these kind of feelings. When it comes to taking care of others, I don't know how or when to say no. I am more comfortable giving than receiving. Lots of people ask me for help and it makes me feel valuable. I feel angry and conflicted when my needs conflict with others. And when I'm tired, I often feel like people take me for granted. Sounds like Martha, doesn't it? It also sounds like Terry. Yeah. Maybe that's why I relate with this story and I relate with Martha so much. One of the things I've always struggled with is the feelings when I'm working really, really, really hard and I look over and I see somebody enjoying the moment. I kind of conjure up those resentful feelings like Martha did. And I think, well, I wish I could sit there and relax and, and enjoy the moment. But if I did nothing, nothing would get done. Can I get an amen from anybody out there? <sighs> well, the fact is, I could sit right there and enjoy the moment. I'm making a choice not to. Right? When we find ourselves running on fumes, tired, exhausted, we look for things that will refuel us. That's a, just a natural habit. We look for those things. Some of us may go running or read a book or exercise or go shopping or play golf or have coffee with friends, and all those things are good things. None of those things are bad things. But... Jesus is not faulting Martha for her action, her service. In fact, I'm sure he thinks that her service is a wonderful thing because he's going to be hungry soon and he's going to want that meal. But it's not the best thing at that moment. He's saying it's not the best thing that she could choose to do at that moment. Now then, when your car needs refueled, what do you put in it? It's not a trick question. What do you put in it? Gasoline, right. Can you fill it with water? No. Can you fill it with oil? No. In the right spots. 
alcohol. No. The only thing that will refuel your car is gasoline. Jesus is telling Martha, there's only one thing that you need to be concerned about, and that is refueling yourself with my love. Jesus is saying the only thing that will refuel you is him. When was the last time that you slowed down long enough to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen? Just to listen and pray, talk to him. You see, refueling is not about more doing. It's about more being. Do less, be more. Now, when I give a sermon, I try my best not to ever tell you something that you need to be doing that I'm not trying to do as well. It's just one of my things that I've always held in my heart. If I ask you to tithe, I better be tithing too, right? I mean, this, that's part of me being the spiritual leader of this church. So this last week, in preparation for this sermon of doing less and being more, I carved out three whole days. You know, three days are pretty influential, right? There's a lot that happened in three days. Three days... I sat at home and I listened. In the daytime, the TV did not come on. I read my Bible, I prayed, I listened for three days. Now I have to tell you in all honesty, the baseball game came on in the evening (laughs) because I live with Joe Swan. But... In that daytime, I listened and I prayed, and this was hard for me because I'm a doer. I'm a Martha. I gravitate toward people. I want to help. I want to know what's going on. I want to be there and pray with you. I want to serve alongside you. So this is hard for me. But it's essential, church. It's essential. We have to do less in order to be more with Christ. The only way we're going to be refueled is to spend time with him. Now there's no coincidence that this story comes right after the most commonly known story or parable that Jesus tells, right after the Good Samaritan. This is what we call literary context. When you're reading the scripture and you're looking at where it's placed in the gospel, and this comes right after Jesus is asked by the scholar, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And his answer was, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right. Now, I don't know about you, but if, you know, if you've realized that loving your neighbor's hard work, right? Has anybody else experienced that, that loving your neighbor's hard work? 
You know, loving your neighbor, neighbor love is that kind of love that's gracious in the face of differences. It's, it's an outpouring of God's love. It's, it, it can even drain you at times because people may even attack you for what you believe or how you love because they don't quite understand it. So immediately after this parable of the Good Samaritan, of loving your neighbor as yourself, there's a story of Mary Martha and being the only way that you can be filled or refueled is by being with God. That's no coincidence. You see, you have to be filled in order to serve and to keep loving your neighbor as yourself. You know, I worked for a senior pastor in, in Texas who used to say, Terry, you can't be empty when you go to the hospital. You can't be empty when, when you're serving alongside the congregation because if you are, you will have nothing to give. And that is so true. We have to do less in order to be more. We have to make those good choices like Mary did. Maybe we could choose people over tasks or choose God over projects to choose love over lists all good choices and may we choose to stop running on fumes and be fueled with the only thing that we need to be concerned about and that is our Lord and our Savior will you pray with me Dear God, our world is complex in so many ways too complex. We deal with too many details. We confess that we have a full calendar and an empty tank of energy. We face daily distractions and difficult choices. Help us, O oh God, to make the right choice in you. Help us to sit and speak and listen and help us to remember that you are the only thing that matters. In Jesus' name, amen.